You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a recent UN-funded report. It was under the UN auspices. It was entitled, Israeli Practices Towards the Palestinian People and the Question of Apartheid. Now, this was done through the UN's Economic and Social Commission for West Asia, and there was a firestorm of activity against this, and we're going to be talking about this. Craig Hansen with We Hold These Truths has researched this report. It's 74 pages long, and what we've seen is an attack on the people that wrote the report. It's a very interesting story that really shows the power of the Zionist lobby and the power of the United States to squelch discussions. And we'll also reference an article by one of the authors, Richard Falk, and it's entitled Richard Falk, Anger at My Apartheid, quote-unquote, Report Puts Free Speech at Risk, which is very interesting because what's come out basically are attacks against the personages of the, the writers. And so with that little bit of background, I'm going to turn it over here to Craig Hansen. Craig? Okay, thanks, Tom. I've entitled tonight a little report, The Israeli Emperor Has No Clothes. As we get into the report, you'll see why I chose that title. The facts that have come out through this report about the ongoing oppression of the Palestinians for generations, it'll, um, it'll make itself obvious. Again, Tom, the title of the report that was published for two days anyway, Israeli Practices Towards the Palestinian People and the Question of Apartheid. If many of you have not heard of this report or read it, it's because it was only up for a couple of days on the U.N. website before the uh, U.N. Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, bowed to pro-Israel forces and had it removed. But the stir around the world that the, this report has created is the, really the focus of our discussion tonight. First, I'd like to give some background information. The charges of apartheid practices occurring in the state of Israel are nothing new, and I've found that they go back to at least 1961, possibly even further, when the uh, South African prime minister, who was really the architect of the South Africa's apartheid policies, Hendrik Verwood, said, quote, Israel, like South Africa, is an apartheid state, end quote. Now, that comment was made in 1961. President Jimmy Carter in his uh, 2006 book, wrote, Palestine, Peace, Not Apartheid. So this idea of Israel having apartheid practices, that's not new. But what makes this UN report so unique is that it supports its claim that Israel is an apartheid nation by fully explaining all the international laws on apartheid and documenting the facts showing how Israel is guilty of breaking those anti-apartheid laws. Okay, so let's uh, kind of get into the ruckus here. I'm first going to read the announcement of the report on March 15th, and this is from Beirut, Lebanon. United Nations Under Secretary General 
and Executive Secretary of the UN Economic and Social Commission for Western Asia, that's ESCWA, abbreviated, Rima Kalaf, pointed out today that it is not an easy matter for a United Nations entity to conclude that a state has established an apartheid regime. In recent years, some have labeled Israeli practices as racist, while others have warned that Israel risked becoming an apartheid state. A few have raised the question as to whether, in fact, it already has. Kalaf's remarks were given during a press conference held this afternoon at the UN House in Beirut when she launched a report by the ESCWA on, quote, Israeli practices toward the Palestinian people and the question of apartheid, end quote. Kalaf noted that Israel, encouraged by the international community disregard for its continual violations of international law, has succeeded over the past decades in imposing and maintaining an apartheid regime that works on two levels. First, the political and geographic fragmentation of the Palestinian people, which enfeebles their capacity for resistance and makes it almost impossible for them to change the reality on the ground. Secondly, the oppression of all Palestinians through an array of laws, policies, and practices that ensure domination of them by a racial group and serve to maintain the regime. The Executive Secretary stressed that the importance of this report is not limited to the fact that it is the first of its kind published by a United Nations body, clearly concluding that Israel is a racial state that has established an apartheid regime. It also provides fresh insight into the cause of the Palestinian people and how to achieve peace. Kalaf maintained that the report shows that there can be no solution, be it in the form of two states or following any other regional or international approach, as long as the apartheid regime imposed by Israel on the Palestinian people as a whole has not been dismantled. Apartheid is a crime against humanity. Not only does international law prohibit that crime, it obliges states and international bodies and even individuals and private institutions to take measures to combat it wherever it is committed and to punish its perpetrators. The solution, therefore, lies in implementing international law, applying the principles of non-discrimination, upholding the rights of people for self-determination, and achieving justice. Kalaf concluded that the report recognizes that only a ruling by the International Tribunal would lend its conclusion that Israel is an apartheid state greater authority. It recommends the revival of the United Nations Center Against Apartheid and the Special Committee Against Apartheid. The work of both, which came to an end by 1994, when the world believed that it had rid itself of apartheid with its demise in South Africa. It also calls on states, governments, and institutions to support boycott, divestment, and sanction initiatives and other activities aimed at ending the Israeli regime of apartheid. The report was prepared at the request of ESCWA by two specialists renowned for their experience in the field, Richard Falk, a former United Nations Special Rapporteur on the Situation of Human Rights in the Palestinian Territories Occupied Since 1967, and Professor Emeritus of International Law at Princeton University, and Virginia Tilley, a researcher and professor of political science at Southern Illinois University with a wealth of experience in Israeli policy analysis. Two former Special Rapporteurs in the Situation of Human Rights in the occupied Palestinian territory, Falk and his predecessor, John Dugard, raised in their report 
the issue of whether Israel has actually become an apartheid state and recommended that it be examined more closely. About two years ago, member states requested that the ESCWA Secretariat prepare a study on the matter. At the Commission's 29th session held in Doha, Qatar on December 2016, member states adopted a resolution stressing the need to complete the study and disseminate it widely. The report concludes on the basis of scholarly inquiry and overwhelming evidence that Israel has imposed a regime of apartheid on the Palestinian people as a whole, wherever they may be, a regime that affects Palestinians in Israel itself, in the territory occupied in 1967, and in the diaspora. During the press conference, Kalaf gave the floor to Falk and Tilly, who participated by video conference. Falk said that his study concludes with clarity and conviction that Israel is guilty of the international crime of apartheid as a result of the manner in which it exerts control over the Palestinian people in their varying circumstances. It reached this important conclusion by treating contentions of Israeli responsibility for the crime of apartheid by rigorously applying the definition of apartheid under international law. Falk added that the study called, above all, on the various bodies of the United Nations to consider the analysis and conclusion of the study and on that basis endorse the central findings of apartheid and further explore what practical measures might be taken to uphold the purpose of the Convention on the Suppression and Punishment of the Crime of Apartheid. It should also be appreciated that apartheid is a crime of the greatest magnitude treated by customary international law as preemptory norm, that is, a legal standard that is unconditionally valid, applies universally, and cannot be disavowed by governments or international institutions. For her part, Dr. Tilly noted that it has become entirely clear that, quote, we are no longer talking about the risk of apartheid, but practice of apartheid. There is an urgency for a response as the Palestinians are currently suffering from this regime. There are many references to apartheid in, in polemics on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, end quote. She added that reference for a finding of apartheid in Israel-Palestine is not South Africa, but international law. She concluded that the key finding is that Israel has designed its apartheid regime around a strategic fragmentation of the Palestinian people geographically and legally. So what I just read there, that is the opening statement that came with the report. And you can just tell there's so much to that. And why there's such a ruckus over this whole report, you know, you understand that if it's determined that Israel is an apartheid nation, the ramifications throughout all the other member nations of the United Nations is incredible. We're talking sanctions. We're talking all kinds of things. The same thing had happened with South Africa. So the report was put out on Wednesday, March 15th, and here's almost the immediate reaction from the United States. The following statement is by Ambassador Nikki Haley, the U.S. Permanent Representative to the United Nations on the recent ESCWA report on Israel. New York City, March 15, 2017, for immediate release. This came from the uh, United States State Department website. Quote, this is from Nikki Haley. Quote, the United States is outraged by the report of the U.N. Economic and Social Commission for Western Asia. Such anti-Israel propaganda would come from a body whose membership nearly universally does not recognize Israel 
is unsurprising. That it was drafted by Richard Falk, a man who has repeatedly made biased and deeply offensive comments about Israel and espoused ridiculous conspiracy theories, including about 9-11 terrorist attacks, is equally unsurprising. The United Nations Secretariat was right to distance himself from this report, but it must go further and withdraw the report altogether. The United States stands with our ally Israel and will continue to oppose biased and anti-Israel actions across the UN system and around the world, end quote. So that was from Nikki Haley. Then also on the 15th, and this is not going to be surprising either, from the Christian Broadcasting Network, great Christian Zionist mouthpiece. Haley accuses UN of demonizing Israel, cbn.com, March 15th at 3.04 p.m. America's UN ambassador, Nikki Haley, unleashed a scathing rebuke after the United Nations released a report calling Israel a racist and apartheid state. The report was co-authored by scholar Richard Falk, who is known for accusing America and her Jewish ally of being colonial empires. The report calls Israel, quote, an institutionalized regime of systematic oppression and domination, end quote, and calls on countries to take action against Israel through boycotts and divestment. Haley was quick to condemn Fox's claim, calling it anti-Israel propaganda. The United States stands with our ally and continues to oppose biased and anti-Israel actions across the UN system and around the world, Haley said. She also called on the United Nations to take action and withdraw the study. A spokesperson for the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, distanced himself from the controversial report. However, Ambassador Haley believes that it's not enough and called the United Nations to completely withdraw the report. Quote, that it was drafted by Richard Falk, a man who has repeatedly made biased and deeply offensive comments about Israel and espoused ridiculous conspiracy theories, including about 9-11 attacks, is equally unsurprising, Haley said. The United States Secretariat was right to distance himself from this report, but it must go further and withdraw it altogether. The report comes at a time when the Trump administration is reconsidering its role in several UN programs and taking a bolder pro-Israel stance. The administration is reviewing its membership on the Human Rights Council, which has issued numerous resolutions against Israel while ignoring human rights abuses in countries like Saudi Arabia and Syria. And so that's the CBN take, and I've, I've looked at other Christian Zionist publications, and you're getting the same thing. It's our only ally in the Middle East. It's the only democracy in the Middle East. You know, we have a duty and a responsibility to support Israel, on and on and on and on. And what's so amazing about all these ad hominem attacks is that no one is countering any of the facts that are presented in the report. I've been looking, and I can't find any source debunking any of the claims asserted in the report. They just don't like the conclusion that Israel is an apartheid state. And what's even more amazing is that the word apartheid translated in Hebrew is hafrada, which literally means separation. It's a term used to refer to the policy of the government of Israel to separate the Palestinian population in the occupied Palestinian territories from the Israeli population. And hafrada is actually codified in the Israeli law. You know, the idea of Israel being a apartheid or hafrada nation shouldn't shock anybody because that's built right into their, their whole legal system. I'm getting ahead of myself here. UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez, who assumed the office on January 1st, uh, 2017, asked the ESCWA Executive Secretary, Rima Kalaf, on 316, so the day later, 
to pull the report, but she refused and resigned on Friday, 317. The UN then pulled the report without her consent. And as, as a side note, I can't find anywhere where the Secretary General Gutierrez actually made any comments about the report himself. He sent out someone to represent the office. It gives the illusion that Gutierrez was taken aback by the contents of the report. And I just found a Fox News article, and, and Fox is definitely a, quite the friend of Israel. Fox reported on 331 that the main findings in the report had been available to the Secretary General for up to five months prior to the report's official release. So it appears that only when the heat got turned up that Gutierrez caved in to the pressure. The next thing I'd like to read is uh, Rima Kalaf's resignation letter that was uh, on Friday 317. And uh, here's the, t- the text of a resignation letter submitted by uh, the Executive Secretary Rima Kalaf in response to the formal request by the UN Secretary General that ESCWA withdraw the publication of a report that asserts Israel is committing apartheid. And I want you to listen carefully to her language because it makes it very clear what this report is all about and how she sees the report and the value that exists. Dear Mr. Secretary General, I have carefully considered your message conveyed through the Chief de Kabinat and assure you that at no point have I questioned your right to order the withdrawal of the report from our website or the fact that all of us working in the Secretariat are subject to the authority of its Secretary General. Nor do I have any doubts regarding your commitment to human rights in general or your firm position regarding the rights of Palestinian people. I also understand the concerns that you have, particularly in these difficult times that leave you little choice. I am not oblivious to the vicious attacks and threats the UN and you personally were subjected to from powerful member states as a result of the publication of the ESCWA report, Israeli Practices Towards the Palestinian People and the Question of Apartheid. I do not find it surprising that such member states who now have governments with little regard for international norms and values of human rights will resort to intimidation when they find it hard to defend their unlawful policies and practices. It is only normal for criminals to pressure and attack those who advocate the cause of their victims. I cannot submit to such pressure, not by virtue of my being an international official but simply by virtue of being a decent human being, I believe, like you, in the universal values and principles that have always been the driving force for good in human history and on which this organization of ours, the United Nations, is founded. Like you, I believe that discrimination against anyone due to their religion, skin color, sex, or ethnic origin is unacceptable and that such discrimination cannot be rendered acceptable by the calculations of political expediency or power politics. I also believe you should not only have the freedom to speak truth to power, but have the duty to do so. In the space of two months, you have instructed me now to withdraw two reports produced by the ESCWA, not due to any fault found in the reports, and probably not because you disagree with their content, but due to the political pressure by member states who gravely violate the rights of the people of the region. You have seen firsthand that the people of this region are going through a period of suffering unparalleled in their modern history, and that the overwhelming flood of catastrophes today is a result of a stream of injustices 
that were either ignored, plastered over, or openly endorsed by powerful governments inside and outside of the region. Those same governments are the ones pressuring you to silence the voice of truth and the call for justice represented in these reports. Given the above, I cannot but stand by the findings of the ESCWA's report that Israel has established an apartheid regime that seeks the domination of one racial group over another. The evidence provided by this report, drafted by renowned experts, is overwhelming. Suffice it to say that none of those who attacked the report had any word to say about its content. I feel it is my duty to shed light on the legally inadmissible and morally indefensible fact that an apartheid regime still exists in the 21st century rather than suppressing the evidence. In saying this, I claim no moral superiority nor ownership of a more prescient vision. My position might be informed by a lifetime of experiencing the dire consequences of blocking peaceful channels to address people's grievances in our region. After giving the matter due consideration, I realize that I too have little choice. I cannot withdraw yet another well-researched, well-documented UN work on grave violations of human rights, yet I know that clear instructions by the Secretary General will have to be implemented promptly, a dilemma that can only be resolved by my stepping down to allow someone else to deliver what I am unable to deliver in good conscience. I know that I have only two more weeks to serve. My resignation is therefore not intended for political pressure. It is simply because I feel it is my duty toward the people we serve, towards the UN, and towards myself not to withdraw an honest testimony about an ongoing crime that is at the root of so much of human suffering. Therefore, I submit to you my resignation for the United Nations, respectively, Rima Kalaf. So I, that is, to me, is such a well-documented resignation letter. I mean, she, she covers so many points there. And then I've got, got a little, little short one here from Richard Falk, one of the authors of the report from uh, 320. And Tom mentioned earlier at the beginning, there's a more recent article by Richard Falk that I think came out on the 31st that uh, he's going to put a link to that with this podcast. So Richard Falk's remarks following the removal of the report on 320, and he made this from London, comes from the uh, Middle East Monitor. When asked how to make the report more effective within the UN system following its removal, Falk said the best strategy would be, quote, to raise visibility of this issue at this time and shame the UN into taking seriously its own study, end quote. I am confident enough that if the study is examined by intellectual sources around the world, they will, even if they don't agree with the conclusions, they will regard it as a serious, objective undertaking. Falk went on to reveal that after submitting the report, ESCWA anonymously sent it out for evaluation to three of the most distinguished international jurists around the world, and that, quote, each of them acting separately submitted very positive reports, end quote. Only one submitted suggested changes, which the authors duly made. So that was Fox's response. So now we're up to Friday. So Rima Kalaf gets puts in her resignation, and guess who comes to bat? None other than Ambassador Nikki Haley. So this is this is her response on Friday, March 17th. Again from the uh, State Department website. When someone issues a false and defamatory report in the name of the UN, it is appropriate that that person resign. 
UN agencies must do a better job of eliminating false and biased work, and I applaud the Secretary General's decision to distance his good office from it. Okay, so that's Nikki's report. Before I get into the report, is there any questions? I've read the full 74 pages of the report, and I'm, I'm really certain that very few of the report detractors uh, have done that. I plan to go through the report, highlighting some of the sections that really jumped out to me, and then um, open that up for discussion, too. Anything I, so far, guys? Yes, I have a thought and a comment, and I think it's very important that we do publish this report. And the amazing part of this is that no one mentions that the author of the report, Richard Falk, is Jewish. He's accused of being an anti-Semite, and he himself is in a position where he would be, tend to be sympathetic with the Israeli people, but he's also an honest person who has basically called it the way he sees it. Secondly, he's not the first. A couple of right. years ago, Richard Goldstone, a very famous attorney in South Africa, wrote a study on, in which he compared Israel to South Africa. This also was done for the United Nations. Richard Goldstone made the same criticisms that Mr. Falk made. Richard Goldstone is also Jewish. So what happens is when the Israelis are very good at claiming everyone who opposes them is anti-Semitic, and when they come to someone who's Jewish who opposes them, they just simply don't happen to mention that the person is Jewish. And that's true of many. Secondly, I'm probably one of the few listeners who visited South Africa during the so-called years of apartheid. I drove a BMW, a rented BMW, all the way from Cape Town to, to Kruger Park, uh, up one side of South Africa, down the other. I drove through several of the Bantu stands that were being set up by South Africa, uh, which they called homelands uh, for the African immigrant people who were streaming in from the north because South Africa was prosperous and the northern states north of it were starving. And one of those was Zimbabwe, which is still starving today under a different name. Any restaurant that you went in had the waiters and workers in it. And in every business, you saw people working who were South Africans by the fact that they'd walked into South Africa. And none of the obvious brutality or occupation activities that we've heard about in Israel from reports like Mr. Falk and Mr. Goldstone, occurred in South Africa. There was separate development, which they called apartheid, but there, was no, there were no military aircraft circling over the black populated areas and bombing them. So what happened was the United Nations back then, and this, of course, was 1987 when I was there, five years before the end of so-called apartheid, but they were criticized for separate development based upon race, which they certainly did do. But there was none of the obvious brutality that anyone who visits Palestine today would see, including my own experiences when I visited Palestine. And in only seven days in Gaza, I witnessed a bombing raid against the indigenous population there by the Israelis. So... It's hard to see how they can contend that they are not 
carrying out an occupation against an indigenous separated population when any visitor there who bothers to look can see the destroyed buildings and maybe if you are unlucky enough witness actual raid on the people. All I'm saying, I'm not saying that the South African system was reasonable or acceptable, nor am I defending it. I'm simply saying that Israel's practice of that system is 10 times worse than the South Africans ever dreamed of. Well, thanks, Craig. That was a great introduction to the report and the ramifications of it. In part two of this program, we'll have Craig talk about some of the very interesting aspects of this. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.